Hello, welcome back to Zero Barriers. Been a while. My name's Charlie, in case you've forgotten. Uh, a bit of a different podcast for you guys today, in case you haven't figured out already. Um, Eli's not, not on the podcast. He, well, we both decided that it was about time I recorded a podcast on my own. Uh, I'm super nervous, to tell you the truth. I don't know why I don't usually get nervous doing these podcasts, but for some reason, because I'm on my own, I am. So I might slip up. Uh, and to tell you the absolute truth, I have recorded this. I haven't recorded the whole podcast. I've just started and then I've had to d- delete because I just sort of froze. But that's okay. Stage fright happens to the best of us. Um, and we're just going to power through. Uh, today's topic is how to make a movie, how to make a film. It's a topic that is very close to my heart because it is my chosen career. Uh I'm probably mad for wanting to make this my my career. Uh, it is definitely one of the most stressful uh, career choices there is. Not saying that, you know, the work is technically difficult, but, um, but anything in the film industry is stressful. Uh, when you have to deal with people on a day-to-day basis from all walks of life and, um, you know, dealing with all the different departments uh, and all the personalities and, you know, everything that comes with it, uh, it can become extremely stressful. Uh, A little bit of background on me. I've just released my uh, first short film. Uh, I released it yesterday to the public. It was... uh, Four months in the making. You wouldn't believe that though. After, you know, it's, it's a six minute film. Um, you know, you wouldn't believe that. But you wouldn't believe that an hour length film can take anywhere from, a, you know, one year to two years to make. Uh, you'll, you'll get to understand that nothing happens quickly in the film industry. Uh you know, for example, when you want to speak to someone, uh, you'll usually send them a message at the beginning of the month, you know, send them an email, and they won't reply to you till the end of the month saying, oh, I'll call you uh, later on. And then it will be uh, six months down the, down the track and you'll get a, you know, randomly, out of the blue, you'll get a phone call from that person you emailed saying, oh, hi, I, yeah, I'm <laughs> responding to your you know, replying to your email, uh, it's that, uh, and actually, the higher up you go, the more of it happens, uh, I don't know what it is, um, I guess people are busy, but I, I actually haven't figured it out, I'm very new, I'm very green to the industry, so I haven't actually worked out why people, uh, don't respond straight away, I guess people are busy, um, I guess as well, to answer my own question, um, people, go away for long extended shoots and they can literally be out of contact for months on end, weeks on end. Uh, give you an example, I was working on a film um, and that was just over two weeks and I thought that was long, but that was, that was nothing, you know, that was, 
that was for an a, a, a an hour length film, and um, it was uh, yeah, it was it was an experience. It was um, you know that's the longest I've been on a film set, and uh, I I gained uh, I gained an appreciation for uh, for the you know the bigger productions on uh, on the toll it takes on all the crew and all the actors uh, being away being away from family for that long yeah so going going back to me so what yeah i i have just released my first film uh but before that i was working as a production assistant or a runner and that's basically um in the chain of command uh, the runner is at the very bottom and he or she uh, answers to pretty much everyone. So he's the dog's body, really. Um, that's not entirely true. You know, they do only answer to their uh, their selected um, department. But for the, the size and the scale of production I was working on, that was pretty much everyone. Uh, so, you know, your, your tasks might include going to the shops to pick up uh, some masking tape or to pick up some medication for one of the actors or to pick up a light bulb or something like that, you know, very bizarre jobs. So it involves a lot of driving around, involves a lot of note taking. Uh, you've got to be very observant. So if you, you know, you, you, your tasks include like cleaning rubbish up around set. So, um, people drink a lot of water on movie sets and they leave their water bottles everywhere. Uh, so you'll spend most of the time just picking up uh, empty water bottles and putting them in the recycling. Uh, it, jobs like that, basically. S- but that's where you start. And uh, that's where I'm still at. <laughs> but I have just released my first film. And that was a long time coming. Uh, that was... So that was almost a year in the making. You wouldn't believe it for for the size of film, or for the length of film as well, you know, it only ran for six minutes, but it did, all the preparation, everything involved, took me a year, uh, and I'm not saying that I spent a whole year dedicated to that film, obviously I was balancing, you know, uh, work and my uh, social life on that, so I wasn't entirely focused on making that film. Uh, it's hard getting that work-life balance right anyway, but... Um, but the thing with the film industry is it's not like a normal nine to five job. Uh, you choose when you're in and you choose when you're out sort of thing. Uh, you constantly got to be making work for yourself. Constantly got to be finding work for yourself. Uh, there's a saying that um, you should be, if you're not getting work from your film that you are working on. So if you're not lining up a new film to work on after the film you finish, then you're not doing something right. So I'll re-clarify. You need to basically, when you're working on one film, you need to already have a second film lined up. The level I'm at at the moment, and for most people listening or for people who'd be interested, the level you'd be starting off at is you will be finding your own work. You're not going to have an agent 
you're not going to be working for a production company. Maybe you are, I don't know. Uh, so you're not going to have, you know, work lined up for you. But that's cool, because you're your own agent. You're freelancing. Uh, that's not everyone's game, but I respect... I mean, that's that's where I'm at, at the moment. Uh, one day I'd like to work for a production company, because uh, that gives you a bit more structure in your life. But um, at the moment, no, I'm freelancing. And uh, you've got you've got to hustle. You've got to find your own own work to move on to. So when I'm working on a film as a production assistant, as a runner, I'll be on that film asking around what's next, what's out there. Uh, various, various ways of doing that, various ways of finding work. Word of mouth is the best way. Lots of different websites out there. So lots of different networking websites, a bit like Facebook, but they're designed for filmmakers um, to basically put ads out, asking for crew, asking for help. Now, to clarify, this is not, I'm not coming at this as an actor. So this is coming out as someone who wants to make films, actively wanting to make films. So an actor's journey is going to be vastly different to my journey. And my end goal, if I haven't said already, my end goal is to be a director. How do I start doing that? Well, you have to make a film to be a director, which I've done. Uh, you could be very, very cautious of, well, I think personally, you have to be quite cautious in using the term director. Although you may have done one film, which I have, you technically are a director. And I was a director, still am, but saying that, I've only done one film, um, you know, made one film, one completed film. So, I don't want to say that I'm a director, but I guess, I guess I am. Uh, I'm not the type of person to pat myself on the back, so, you know, I'm quite cautious with saying, with saying that. But, yeah, in, in short, I am a director because I have completed one film. I'm very proud of that, very proud of everyone involved. If you haven't noticed already, this podcast will be me rambling. I've got a I've got a sheet of paper in front of me. I've actually got my A4 textbook that I write down all my ideas on. Uh it's it's great actually, because unlike a computer where you have to turn it on, you just literally open your notebook and you can start writing. Don't have to go through the whole process of turning your computer on, waiting for it to load, and turning on, you know, opening up window word and oh anyway, it's a lot easier and simpler to have a solid bit of paper in front of you, good pen, and write your ideas down. It's great. So, where am I? Lost my train of thought, sorry. How to make a film. The basics, anyway. I'm going to go outline all the steps involved, which were involved for my film. I'm not going to... I'm going to... So I won't, I won't tell you what my film is. Um, I'll just explain how I made it. 
because um, this is not a uh, this is not a promotion uh, self promotion for my film. If you want to check out my film, um, I'm sure Eli will have the links to my Instagram account in the uh, in the bio, and you can uh, you can see all my work on there. Uh, you can see the films that I have been involved in as a runner. Uh, you can see my latest film that I worked on as a director. Uh, yeah, give that a follow. That'd be amazing. And uh, look, if you're listening and you are a creative, uh, you know I'm I'm all for collaborating. And we can we can get on to that's another topic. Uh, well, not the conversation, collaborating, but we'll get on to that anyway. Back to back to the paper in front of you. You've got a plain blank piece of paper in front of you. Got an idea. My idea said convict. Why did it say convict? Well, because before we went into lockdown, I went to the High Pipe Barracks in Sydney. I got inspired by some of the convict stories I saw there. Uh, I already have a naturally, I already have an interest in history. Um, so naturally I, I progressed to Australian history. What's Australian history? You know, colonial convicts, first settlers, etc., etc. Great. I'll make a film about that. How do I make a film about that? Do I, what do I, what do I do? How do I do it? Of course, you've got to have the idea. So my idea is the convict. Okay. What happens? What's involved? So I'll have a rough idea in my head. I'll say, okay, convict escapes because that's what convicts do. That's what convicts do. They escape. Okay. The convicts escape. Now, now what? He meets a girl. Okay. He meets a girl. So that's two actors I already know I have to cast. So, on that piece of paper, I've got the convicts. I've got two actors. Their names are important right now. Not now in this process. Not where we're at. Their names are irrelevant. I'll just say convict and girl, prisoner and girl. But I already know that's two actors. So I write two actors. Okay, convict escaped meets girl. Okay, they're together. Or what happens? So obviously the convict meets the girl. So how does the convict meet the girl? I write about that. The convict's traipsing through the bush after he's escaped. Comes across the girl. Okay. How does the girl react? I write about that. Okay. The girl's happy. She's not scared. Which is great. That's different because usually you associate convicts being scary. So that's different. That gives me a different angle to continue writing. They're happy. Are they in a relationship? Do they fall in love? I write about that. Just with those 
So already we have three scenes. We have scene one, convicts escaping. Scene two, convict meeting girl. Scene three, yeah, they form a relationship. Okay, I need scene four. I always think it's good to have an even amount of scenes. I'm only going to do four scenes, and I'll get I'll get to why I do that later. But scene three, they fall. Yeah, meet in love, form the relationship, all that sort of stuff, all the emotional stuff. Okay, scene four. How does it end? Because we've always got to have a start, a middle, and an ending. Always, always, always. I know creatives can get away with doing whatever they want, and um, there's no, there's not such a thing as a, as a, uh, as a uh, uh, structure for structure for creative people, the creative process. I guess it's fluid. You, you know, it's up to your own interpretation how you want to tell the story. But what is important is that you have a start, middle, and end. So my start. Is the convict escaping? My middle is their relationship. That's scene three. Or scene two and three, sort of combined. What's my ending? Scene four. He dies. Bit too cliche. Also cliche, but I did it anyway. She dies. In my story, the girl dies of sickness. She dies of, a, of influenza. Something along those lines. Okay, great. Now I have a story. I have four scenes. Mind you, I don't have a script. I have a story. I have very messy handwriting on a page that says, yeah, scene one... Convict escapes through the bush. He, and I, I explain his condition. So he's, you know, he's a bit beaten up. We see Convict is sort of in tear clothes. He, he doesn't look the healthiest. You wouldn't expect an escaped Convict to look the healthiest anyway. Scene two. He's running through the bush. He meets a girl. Okay, what does the girl look like? I write about what the girl looks like. Is she wearing a nice dress? What's the colour of her clothes? That indicates to the audience, is she wealthy? Is she rich? Okay, that gives another element. Because if she's wealthy, who, who are her parents? Are they important? In my case, the girl's not wealthy. So she doesn't have parents. Makes it a bit easier. I'm all in favour for making things easier. At the stage where I'm at, and most people listening, I don't know, but for me, I'm not going to write a film that I know I can't produce or achieve. So for me, I knew four scenes was more than achievable. Very simple. Because the shorter you keep it, that's less money you're going to spend. But we'll come to that. We'll come to budget later. That's less money you're going to spend on the story. That's important. So, 
going back. Okay, so we've now got, you know, scene three. Yeah, then we, so sorry. So scene two, okay, the girl, you know, is she wealthy? No, she's poor. I, I write about her clothes, what she wears. Really rough, sort of, you know. I'm not going into too much detail. Then I go on scene three. They fall in love. The convicts. So scene two, they meet. Scene three, we see their relationship grow. So scene three, we see their relationship grow. Now I've got the hard task of of making that happen. Sometimes it can be overwhelming. I don't know. If you're the type of person to get overwhelmed, I wouldn't recommend. I wouldn't recommend being a director, put it that way. Anyway, scene three. Yeah, they fall in love. Okay, how am I going to depict that? How am I going to, how's the story going to play out? Is it going to start with, I don't know. Look, is it going to, you know, (laughs) they didn't start messaging each other, did they? They didn't have phones back then. So how does this relationship start? Okay, well, it starts because, because she, um, you know, she's not rich, you know, uh, so we can, we can assume that she's been mistreated, uh, so maybe she sees a, a lovable side to our convict, remember, we don't have names for our characters yet, so they're just called the convict and the girl. It is very important that you do not give them names yet. Because when we come on to our character sort of description, we do everything. We might even do a rough sketch of how they look. Then that's bringing the character to life. Why she, once you've got the actors dressed up, that brings the character to life. But it's very important for now where we're at in this stage, that it is literally the convict, the girl. Okay. Sorry, rambling again. Scene three, okay, they fall in love. Yeah, she takes pity on him. They both see a lovable side to each other. You know, they they don't come from the best circumstances. Uh, she realizes that he's a convict. That doesn't frighten her like most girls, you know. She's not scared. Um, so it's that. Very important. Their dynamic on screen needs to work because they need to be in love. So don't get someone who can't, who can't, uh, who can't betray that for you. He can't, uh, he can't, uh, <laughs> you know, he can't, uh, he can't show emotion. Yeah, because a lot of them, a lot of actors, actually. Uh, actually can't do that. And that's, that's the tricky thing. And we'll get to that in casting about why you've got to, why you've got to be picky with who you choose. And, uh, the casting process is actually, I think one of the most important, uh, parts to the whole thing, but we'll get onto that. We're still, well, you know, the, uh, 23 minute mark and, uh, 
I haven't even spec up casting. Doesn't matter. <laughs> we're still we're still in the idea phase. We haven't even got a script. There's not even a script yet. That's ridiculous. But seriality, I face. Or I did face. Hmm. Okay. I have my idea. The convict. That's my idea. Okay. What happens? Well, I now have my four scenes. Scene one. Yeah, it's a bit cliche. Because most convicts, you know, in most films, convicts do escape. But, hey, it makes, it makes for good storytelling. Makes interesting. Makes an interesting story. Why did he escape? How did he escape? He escapes. Scene one. Done. Boom. Easy. Scene two. He meets a girl. Done. Again. Easy. Scene three. He falls in love with the girl. Yeah. Okay. We can write about love. We can write about romance. It's important that the audience can relate. It's... A lot of directors forget, or writers forget, that the audience has to relate. Don't write a story that only you can relate to. You're not going to write about a joke that only you find funny. Hoping that someone out there will find it funny as well. No, you're going to write a joke that everyone finds funny, or... A large amount of people find funny. Because what's a film if no one's going to see it? Uh, see it you know what I mean? Like, um, I'm going to use a bit of common, common sense. And that's what it is, really. It's hard because, yeah, you're trying to be creative, artistic, whatever. You know, put your own flair on it. Be unique. And that's cool. Yeah, be unique. Don't, don't have, I don't know, don't have like the cliche sort of, you know, damsel in distress sort of scene, Rapunzel sort of scene, don't have that, because that isn't being unique, that's done a thousand times, don't do the, a, uh, a soul sort of, I don't know, Mariah, like, okay, you've got to be unique, but at the same time, you've got to remember that audience has, audiences have to relate to your story, okay, very important, sorry, have I said scene four? No, I haven't. Scene four, she dies. <laughs> Done. Easy. The story's finished. There you go. Can't go any further because she's dead. But it makes good story. It makes a good story. <sighs> okay. We have love. We have death. We have escape. Not in that order. That's important because this story doesn't actually have to be in a quadrilogical chronological order does it it has to have a start middle end that's without say but who says the start can't have the girl dying who says the middle can't have the escape and you know the end can't have the love it wouldn't make sense but who says it can't because that's the creative bit that's the uniqueness it's the order in which way we tell our story that's what I love 
the create the freedom to be creative like that. Okay, so we've got we've got our story. We've got our four scenes. So I write that down. Four scenes, two actors, and I've written convict and girl. And under those four scenes, I've written literally like a couple of sentences, or maybe even a sentence, you know of what is happening a very quick by like a very quick synopsis on what is happening in each scene uh that will become important for the next part okay so i've got my story well done give yourself a pat on the back i don't have a story i just have um i just have a very messy uh messy handwriting and i don't even have the names for my characters uh but i know i've got uh, i've got the bones I've got the bones to a good story. I'm frying off the onion, making a soup. I've got the large pot. I've put in the onions. I've put in the stock, you know. These are base levels. These are the bare bones. Okay, now I've got all of that. I'm now going to ask myself, am I a writer? Well, am I? Yeah, I like to have a go at it, but definitely not my forte. Not at all. In any other circumstance, I would have stopped there with that. I would have gotten the phone and I would have called my writing friend up and I would have said, you know, I would say, hey, I've got bare bones for a story, I think it could be good, would you be interested in writing it for me? He's either going to say no, sorry, I'm busy, get lost, whatever, or yes, no, I'm interested, what are your bare bones? So I tell him, and I say, uh, pause, so I tell him what my bare bones are, I remember that he can't read my thoughts. He's not inside my head. So I've got to... It's very hard for creatives to share... To share what's happening inside their head. Uh, it's not like a... Not like a chef where he can... Uh, he can cook. Cook an amazing dish and present it. Yeah, in some respects, a director has finished film. Is, is a chef's finished dish. And his finished film is for his audience to enjoy. But that's the very last step. We've got to remember, we've got to get people on board. People forget. Or people think they can just do it all by themselves. They can be Mr. Cameraman. They can be Mr. Director. They can be Mr. Soundman. They can be Mr... Lighting man, I got there's yeah. They think they could be everything. Oh, you can't. Okay. Short films, yeah, directors often wear multiple hats. We don't have all the big extensive departments that you see working on a massive sort of feature film, you know, massive production. You know. I'm gonna go over that, but we're not at that stage. Okay, the writer says yes. I've shared all my ideas. I've shared everything in my head to him. 
He says, cool, okay, give me a month, give me a couple of weeks. It's not very long. I say, rough time frame. Mm, I want the story to go for 10 minutes. Even numbers again. I'm not going to say, you know. I'm going to say, yeah, 10 minutes. He says, okay, leave it with me, see what I can do. He writes me his first draft of the story. Emphasis on the first draft. Draft in bold, guys. Okay, draft. It's not finalised. It's not perfect. It's not finished. It's not done. Still a draft. And it's number one. My God, there can be up to ten drafts. That's a bit extreme. Most likely you'll get up to four or five drafts before you know, you go on to a, a, a finished uh, finished copy. But, uh, okay, so he's written, he's written the story for me. I, I've liked it. I've said, yeah, hey, that's that's actually really good. Okay. He goes back. He gives me a final copy. He's not... He has not written me a script. He has written me a story. He's written me a fictional story. He's written it in a way. He's written a screenplay, okay? <laughs> it's not like a sort of like a, you know, a novel, uh, you know, such and such did this and this. He's written it in a way that a scriptwriter can read and turn into dialogue. Okay, he's done that. What then I do, or oh, sorry, bleh, what I do then, I do a thing called the Bible. Use the term Bible because it refers to everything the director needs to know or everything the whole production needs to know to the story. In that process, I've sat down with an illustrator and we have drawn some sketches of what our characters are going to look like. We've named them. We've given them an age. Given them an address. Given them everything. Very important that the actors aren't just picking from thin air how old the actor is, where the actor lives, how the actor talks. Does he have an accent? Yeah, most cases, back in the uh, 1800s, you know, yeah, they were mostly... Came off first late, Irish or, you know, they were mostly English, Irish or Scottish. Okay, that's important, but that's important for casting. We'll get to that. This is getting very long-winded. I'll sort of uh, make it a bit snappier, but we've got the story, okay, and I've sat down in the history. I've read my Bible. I've now got a, a book. I've got a couple of pages a lot of words it all makes sense now anyone would sit down and read it and say hey okay it makes sense okay cool alright I then call up another friend lucky I do have a friend who's a script writer I say hey can you turn my story into a script he says yes knocks it out for me within a month we can already start to see how long everything is taking by the time I've gotten to getting it 
from an idea to paper to my writing friend to me writing a Bible, so a massive synopsis for the story, uh, then to me getting a script writer, and then by the time he does all his drafts and we go over it, we read over it, what's the different with the process of writing a script, I'm not going to get into it. It's even longer. And truthfully, I'm not a script writer, so I wouldn't be able to give uh, the correct answers. But once I have a script, I'll sit down with him. I'll read it. I'll say, yeah, I don't like this and this and this. Okay. He's knocked out about three drafts for me. I'll say, yeah, I actually like that. Yeah, we're done. We're easy. Cool. That's my final copy. Okay, I've now got a final copy of my script. I'm now going to do a read-through. I'm going to time it. Okay, so I've read it out with a bunch of people. This is called a reading. Probably see photos. People, all sort of, you know, big producers. Get to that. You don't know what a producer is yet. Maybe you do. We get to that. Sitting around a boardroom, boardroom table. And we're timing how long it takes us from start to finish to read the script. Okay, it takes us it takes us under 10 minutes. I had to tell the writer I wanted a story that would last for 10 minutes because he had to have something to aim for. But in reality, by the time you've broken down all the dialogue, you've broken down all the scenes, it won't, it won't, be, it won't be a solid 10.00, but it'll be like 8.95 seconds that's cool okay I've now got a timing for that okay I've got a script I've done all of this now we're going to talk about money I've done all of this off my own back so yeah I've had to pay for a writer to write my story I've had to pay for a script writer to write my script all that in my own pocket. I'm taking you through the processes as a student filmmaker. Not the right way. Definitely not the right way, but the way I did it. In reality, the writer is the same person as the scriptwriter. For me, he was. So I wasn't paying two separate people. He knew the story anyway. Made it a lot easier. Where I'm at anyway, that's... The likelihood is, yeah, your writer is going to be your script writer as well. That's cool. I'll let you know that this was all out of my own pocket anyway. Didn't get any funding from anyone, didn't get any grants. Very rare where you get grants for a short film. Okay. You see all the time, oh yeah, I'll screen New South Wales or you know, film, New South, uh, film Australia or whatever, blah, blah, blah. All the different states have their own... Uh, you know, film, uh, film companies. Uh, and they'll say, oh yeah, fund, fund this and read the terms. It's only for feature films. You guys don't know what a feature film is. Short film, anywhere from, don't quote me on this, Google it, anywhere from a minute to I think about, I think about 30 minutes. It's half now, I think. Might even be less. Might even be up to like, 20 minutes or something. Okay. Then we move into your feature films, which will run from an hour 
to two hours. Your feature films are the ones you're going to see at the cinema. They're your big blockbusters. They will not fund short films. That's cool. Okay. Can't go and fund everyone's short film. They will fund feature films. I'm not on that stage yet. That's a different whole other day. I'll get to that stage. It'll be very exciting when I get to that stage. And the day will come where I'm ready to sit down with a with producers, production companies, and say, hey, I've got a story. Please give me money. Lots of terms and conditions that come with that. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to briefly touch on that. Because uh, it's sort of important to know. Oh, broadly, broadly speaking, you know, overall. But anyway, this is this is my story and this is how I did it. So, yeah, the writer was the script writer. So that made it easy. Anyway, I paid for a man in my own pocket. I then, I knew I wasn't going to get a production company on board. Okay. What are production companies? Okay, production companies are things like Netflix, Amazon, Paramount, Disney, Screen New South Wales, Screen Victoria, Screen Queensland. All the different states have their own production. House, okay. Universal. Focus features. Oh my God. There's thousands, hundreds. They're a production company. They're not a producer. Producers are separate. They're a production company. They will have their own camera people. They will have their own sound stages. Have their own budgets. There are so many variables with that though. So many conditions as well. So yeah, your film can't contain this and this and this and this. Now, I know if you do a Disney film, you know, you, there's certain things you have to fall into. Certain criteria you have to meet. But hey, you have to meet it because they're giving you millions and millions of dollars. People don't realise the film industry. You're not just playing with a couple of thousand dollars. You're playing with millions. I don't have any in my head at the moment for the latest film. But uh, we can expect that was. Uh, yeah, uh, look, I'll I'll do I'll do a quick Google. Uh, budget for. Uh, uh, look, we'll say nineteen seventeen. Ninety-five million U.S. dollars. Ninety-five million U.S. dollars. How was 1917 funded? DreamWorks pitches. Universal pitches. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot of money. You're playing with a lot of money. You want to know my budget? For two days worth of filming. $2,000. Are you? To some, that might not be a lot of money. To me, that's a reasonable amount of money. Got to bear in mind, this is my first film. Okay, uh, I'm a you know I'm a student working part time. I don't make a lot of money, so me investing two thousand dollars into a film that lasts for six minutes in total. Uh, yeah, that sounds a bit insane. Why would you spend two thousand dollars on a film that gives you six minutes of entertainment, and you're not going to have any um, 
any reimb- you're not going to be reimbursed, basically. But that's not saying it's wasted. No. God, no. That is not saying that that $2,000 was wasted. By no means. By no means was that. Because I'll let you know now that I enjoyed every single minute I was working on that film. I've got a rule for myself that if I'm not enjoying it, <laughs> hey, I'll just turn off the tap. I'll stop it. Now I've got to be cautious that I haven't led too many people on. Might be accused of that in the past. I know I tried to... You know, this isn't my first rodeo. I tried to do a, a short last year. Didn't work out. I wasn't... I didn't have the experience. I still don't have the experience. But I have more experience than I did last year. Put it that way. Anyway, it didn't work out. I had a script. You know, I was about to start. I had, I had cast. And got to the stage where, you know, about to film. And I was like, no, nah, can't do this. Very sorry. Yeah, everyone was very understanding. I didn't put a lot of money into that one. Lower end stuff as a student, people expect that. I mean, they shouldn't, but they, they do, generally. Generally speaking, they do. That's cool. Okay, move on. Next thing. This is why this project for me was so important that it was completed. That's why there was a lot of stress. I spoke about that before, at the start, why there was so much stress on my shoulders. It's because I had failed the first time, so I knew I had to get this one right. Which, thankfully, I did. Now. Yeah, this film might get a couple of hundred views on YouTube and where else I put it on, what other platforms I put it on, you know. Yeah, great. That's still not making me money. I wasn't expecting to make money. Don't go into this thinking you're going to make money straight away because you're not. I'll tell you that right now, you're not. God, there's been big films where they've lost money and you'll hear it. You'll hear about it. Doesn't happen a lot, but you'll hear about it where, oh yeah, the film didn't meet its uh, production costs. This is where producers come in. Producers are individuals who will finance the movie, finance the idea. Again, like the production companies, they will have their own terms and conditions. You can be liable. In other, in other words, you'll, they'll be very upset if... <laughs> Your film flops and they've just put, I don't know, 8 million. That, that one producer has given you $8 million to make your film. Another producer has given you $6 million. Another producer has given you $5 million, etc., etc. Actually, a lot more. But they will be very upset with you if your film is not good. That's a lot of money. That's not just like, yeah, throw the money at the monkey sort of thing, is it? Uh... And see what happens. No, they need to be... They're investors. It, this is like investing in stocks. There's risks, obviously, and they know that. But they're not going to take... They're not high risk. Okay? So they're not going to give... Producers aren't going to give me, for example, um, a couple of mil to uh, go off and make a film. Because they know that's high risk. And actually, they might not see that return. Okay? That's what a producer is. 
a lot of directors, like the big directors, like, you know, Spike Lee, we've got Spielberg, Tarantino, list goes on. They are producers, so they will have enough money. They're attached with their own production company where they will actually go and fund their own films. Or they'll go and fund each other's films. That's how it works. Now, without going too off track, that is why people associate so these celebrities, that they, they call them the Illuminati, don't they? But um, these celebrities, as all these, you know, sharing money around, it's because, yeah, they do. They fund each other's movies. There's a lot of money floating around. There's a lot of, you know, dodgy happenings. But that doesn't always happen anyway. It's going a lot off track. Okay, we've got our production company, we've got our producers, okay. For me, I didn't have any of that. I funded it myself, had $2,000. wasn't going to spend any more, any less. Okay, I had a plan, so I've now got a script, okay. I now move on to getting a crew. I secure a crew. What do I mean by crew? I mean a camera operator. A director of photography. My case. The director of the photography. Is the camera operator. The big production companies. The two separate people. The cinematographer. People like Roger Deakins. Actually well he does sit behind the camera. Because he's unique. But. Most cases. They wait. They will sit in video village. And they'll watch for a monitor. And they'll give directions to their camera operator. But anyway, I had an amazing guy. I'm not saying names on this podcast, but an amazing guy who was my cinematographer. Okay. He charged a fee that I thought was reasonable for two days. Bearing in mind, I was investing in him. So I had to check it out. So... I had to see what equipment he was using. I had to do research. Is that equipment good? I had to... When hiring people, God, you go for their resume. Make sure they're legit. I'm not going to spend 2K on someone who's not legit. Okay? That's a ridiculous amount of money to just give someone for two days' work. And for them to go and film it on an iPhone and say, Hey, done. There's your finished film. Okay. Contracts were involved. When any amount of money above $100, I'd say, is involved, you've got to have some form of legal contract. It doesn't have to be legal, but it's got to be, you know, a, a contract. You've got to sign your name and you've got to say, hey, I'm full responsibility to this, you know, I won't get paid in amount, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, people have to be held to account. That's what I'm trying to say. Anyway, I was happy. I gave him his amount. I'm not going to say how much I gave him. I didn't give him the full 2K. Gave him quite a large amount for two days. He had an assistant. I'm not going to go into all the roles because that's a different topic, but his assistant was a focus puller, okay? Already, I know I've got myself. I know I've got a cameraman cinematographer, I know I've got 
first camera assistant. So they've pulled focus. We're not going to get into what that is, but they pull focus. So I've already got three people. So I've got myself, cameraman, operator, actors, one, two, three, four, five. I've got five people already on set. I've got five people. I'm going to put, <laughs> going back to a piece of paper. I'm going to put five people, my piece of paper. Don't have a location yet. I've got a story. Okay, now I've got that secured. Uh, crew as well. Okay, I've got a, a gaffer. Lighting, again, I'm not going to go into details. Uh, then I've got, uh, you know, wardrobe. I've got makeup. I've got food. So already I'm looking at eight people. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people could be overwhelming for some, but it's what is needed. Yeah, I was wearing multiple hats. I was being a logistics coordinator. You know, I was playing a bit of art department. Again, I'm not going to explain what art department is, but I was wearing multiple hats, yeah. But I had to have that minimum crew. I had to have a sound operator. God, you, you have to have sound, obviously. The bare minimum. Camera operator and sound. That's it. Done. Okay. I could go off tomorrow, make a film. Done. With just those two people. Okay, I've got that. I've got a crew sorted now. I don't have to worry about that. They're all sorted. They're all paid. Okay. I'm now going to start casting. I could cast myself, or I could get a casting director. Bigger productions, they get a casting director. That's cool. I get a, uh, I get a, uh, you know, a, um, I do it myself. I put an ad out on this website. I'm not going to say what the website is. And I get... I get actually an amazing response, considering this is my first film. And with my failure last year. People learn to forgive. Okay. Put the cast out. Yeah. All great. I've only got two roles. But I've got 50 people for those two roles. I can afford to be picky. I use that to my advantage. I go through each individual actor, actress. Figure out, are they suitable for the role? I'll sit down, send them the script. We'll read the script and I'll make sure they're right for the role. Then when I'm happy, at the end of all that, I'll say, hey, you got the role. Two out of those 50 people, no, 48 people, don't have work. That's not as depressing as it sounds though because they will go on and find other stuff. That's cool. Okay, actors are now sorted. That's great. Where are they going to be? I've now got all these people. They've got nowhere to go. I've got to secure a location. Comes back to the Bible. What I was talking about before. Because that has where this is all going to take place. That's already all thought of. So I need a cottage. I need an old looking cottage. Okay. I do a thing called scouting. Where I go out and scout locations. Bigger productions. Not going to go into it, but you have a whole department, a whole locations department focused on finding locations to film. Anyway, I filmed that. There's restrictions, costs, terms, liabilities, all that sort of stuff uh, that goes into using this location. I have to pay for the location, blah, 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 blah. I do that. Great. I've got a location. Awesome. So I've got my crew. I've got my story. I've got my crew. 
I've got my actors, I've got my location. You'd think, okay, got your film, you got your film, you're ready to go. Not quite. I've got them all down there. I will do a couple of rehearsals for my actors to make sure they're really comfortable in the role. By now, I'm up to, well, in total, the whole thing took, you know, every year from start to finish. But uh, by now, I've, you know, it's past, past the five-month mark. Going on a tough year. I sit down, find a time that suits me, find a time that suits everyone. We meet halfway. 18th of August. Let's say. Time. Such and such. Make sure that's okay with the location. Confirm that. Confirm that with all the actors. While I'm waiting for that date. Where I can film. Come up. I'm continuing auditioning. um, Problem solving. You know. There might be an issue. Regards to camera that needs to be fixed, you know, like, there's a lot of things that come up and pop up, you know, costumes, would have focused on getting all the food, catering, logistics, how's everyone going to drive up there, uh, the size that I'm working on, this is, these are all the hats that I'm wearing, um, obviously I didn't do the makeup or the wardrobe, but I, um, I'm thinking about logistics, usually a director would not have to think about logistics, usually a director would have an assistant, you can have up to eight, you have the AD department, assistant directors department. Okay, there's a whole department dedicated to assistant directors, assistant to the director. Because in big productions, talk about this maybe another time, but in big, big productions, the director actually will sit in a thing called Video Village. Again, not going to explain what that is. And they will sit with a cinematographer in Video Village along with the producers and they will watch what's happening. They're not actually Video Village, by the way. Bunch of chairs, bunch of coffee. The main department heads are there in front of big screens. So each of them have their own little screen. Or sort of, you know, TV screen. Uh, and that's a live feed off the cameras and all the various things. So all the department heads are there. So you have the makeup, you know, and they'll be there looking to see if they need to do makeup touches on any of the actors. Uh, you'll have the... Um, who else would you have? A cinematographer would be would be there, and uh, he will he'll be looking to see what it's adjusting. So then he'll tell his camera operator to tilt right, you know, whatever all the different camera movements. Again, not going to get into that. Okay. Anyway, I'm not there. I'm not in a big production yet. Touch wood. One day. Anyway, I'm wearing lots of different hands, doing logistics, as I said, finding out, sorting out props, I'm mucking around with things that I really shouldn't be mucking around with, but I need to in order to make this a success. Again, I've invested what I think is a considerable amount of money, again, for a six-minute film. Why do I think it's worth it? Because this is the career I've chosen to go down. We all have to start somewhere. This is the beginning. Of more to come. Okay. Finally gets to the 18th of August. 
fictitious, by the way, not the actual date of when I filmed. Yeah, I've skewed the location for two days. By this stage, I've gone through all the meetings with everyone involved and everyone's on the same page. Everyone knows what's happening. There won't be someone turning up on the day at, you know, 600 hours saying, oh, where do I go? What do I do? No, that doesn't happen. Just doesn't happen. Mistakes will be made, but people will know what to do, how to overcome those mistakes. Everything is meticulously planned out to the T, to the letter. There. I sit down behind the camera with my monitor. Very important. So I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm not, I've got to remember, I'm viewing this on a screen because this is how the audience is going to view it. They're going to view it on the screen. So I look through a screen, give my final notes. So dresses come in the art, you know, props, all that, all that's done. All the actors are in wardrobe, makeup, etc., etc. Catering's all sorted out. Everyone turns up on time. Everyone comes to their cool shit. Again, I'm not going to explain what a cool shit is. Everyone turns up on time. So all to the T. Everyone's following, you know, all the department heads are doing the right job. Everyone's very good. Sit down. I'll go through blocking with my actors. Again, I'm not going to explain what blocking is, but I will go through and we will... It's like a rehearsal, but we will put down... And I'm not going to go into too much detail, because, but basically it's a quick rehearsal before the scene. Explain what's happening so everyone's... Again, fresh, you know what's happening. I'll have my script supervisor with me. Again, he's the writer. He'll make sure continuity isn't stepped up. So if someone's wearing a jacket in one scene and they need to wear it in the other scene, they'll wear it in the other scene. Because you'll be amazed and there were a few continuity uh, continuity issues uh, fixed. You'll be amazed what can happen one day. So you, know, you need your script supervisor. Also, the actors may need to be fed, fed lines. It happens. They memorise them. They're all great in rehearsal. So I know they, you know, I know they're not bad. But they forget. They get a bit of, they get a bit of uh, stage fright, whatever. You know. Okay, that's cool. My script supervisor can feed them lines. I'm happy. I go through the sequence. This is the one thing I'll explain to you. So I go through the sequence. We have our slate board, second AC, it's writing on the slate, okay, so what are we writing, we're writing scene one, we're writing, okay, what role, this is on the camera, this still relates to the camera department, but we're writing what role, so this is, uh, you know, think like on your little Dizzler, on your little cameras, uh, think about the SD card, there's a little number on there, if you've got multiple SD cards, you're going to have to write numbers down, so anyway, on the slate board, which is that clapperboard, that sort of long ago clap. Anyway, write down what card number is in there. You write down what the C number is and you write what take this is because you can do multiple takes. That's not a failure at all. Stanley Kubrick, I think in The Shining and, you know, um, when Danny is smashing down the door, I think he did about 59 takes. More, even. I think that's obsessive. I don't think that's necessary. But anyway, 
He's a genius in his own right. We do that. Then. I'll make sure the sound is wrong. Sound recorders or the boom operator. Again, two separate people, but they can do the same job. My case, I'm doing the same job. Sound op- says sound is speeding, replying that I know the sound is working. He's now picking up the sound. By this stage, the camera is, you know, ready to rock and roll. He's standing by. And then I say to him, you know, camera's set. Okay, so the camera's ready. So as soon as I call the magic words action, he'll click record. Okay. Then I will say, Mark, camera, op, first assistant, blank focus will say marking, second assist, or then slate, marking, they will, and yeah, read it out, so they'll say, yeah, 1A, take 1, marker, then they'll bring down the clap, you hear a clap, that clap, again, I won't explain, I won't go into too much, but that clap is for, in post-production, when you're editing, is to line up the sync with sound, uh, to line up the footage uh, with sound, okay, so it syncs, because you're recording sounds separately to the camera anyway you can google it or we can go into another another podcast that's all done finally say you know touches last touches make sure everything's right okay if there's people in the background i will say background they'll start moving about then i'll call action then it all happens If there's a mistake, I'm not going to go cut straight away, okay? If I think it's, if it's a small mistake, you know, he forgets his lines, I'll say, you know, feed line, line, and um, we can feed him his lines, doesn't matter, whatever. Then, we will, it will say cut, and I'm happy, okay? Need to do another take, you get on the slate, they mark another take, take two, take three, take four. Five, six, seven, eight, you know? That's cool. I've got times to stick with. I've got a schedule that I need to stick with. So if I started at, it sounds ridiculous, but we can start filming at six o'clock in the morning. And it can get to eight o'clock. We're still on scene one. Scene one was only meant to go for one minute. But that's how long it takes. And especially if there's lots of camera movement in there, lots of different camera setups. Yeah, professional camera team can get, you know, set up quickly. Takes a while. Everything takes a while. Set up lighting, all the gaffers, you know. And have to separate rigs, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, makeup, wardrobe, actors have to go and use, you know, the crafty, catering, whatever. Uh, it all takes time. Anyway, it gets to 12 o'clock, still in scene one. I know... That I've got three more scenes to do. It's 12 o'clock and I know that I've only got the location till 4 o'clock. And I know that scene one took me longer than it should. Thankfully, everything else goes to plan. I'm not rescheduling shoot, you know, pickups, we call them, when you have to shoot again. I'm not doing that. It all goes to plan. Gets to day two, gets to uh, gets to sixteen thirty, and um, I say that's a wrap. Well, 
before I quit, actually, we're in scene four, and I say, well, this is our martini shot, last shot of the day, guys, so, referring to that, you can go to have a martini after this, alcohol after this, you know, you relax after this, of course you can't, because it's packed down, but, martini shot, anyway, then, get to that, say, cut, that's a wrap, that's it, ended, done, what's next, yeah, then the fun starts again, madness starts all over again, it's a vicious cycle, but to no fault of my own, it's what I have chosen. I love it. Love the creativeness. I've rambled. I don't know if you've picked up on anything. I've probably gone over an hour. I'm going to have to do a bit of editing. Eli's going to have to get in there, you know, in post. And he's going to have to uh, do a bit of uh, trimming. That's cool. Very quickly. Okay, wrapped. Everyone's packed up for the day. Okay. Then we're going to post, uh, you know, post-production. So we have pre-post-production. Editing. All the different steps that come with that. My God, editing can take up to a year. It took me a couple of months. Because we've got to get the sound designer. He's got to design the sign. It doesn't just happen. We've got to get the colorist. He's got to, he's got to paint the image. Okay. We get the... Uh, Everything, yeah? And you can imagine big productions, imagine the headache. But it's not all on the director's shoulder. It's all on the departments, all the different department heads. And underneath the departments, there'll be 10, 20 people. Okay, so a lot of contingency, a lot of backup. I hope you found this interesting. Um, I don't know if any of this made any sense. Again, I'm, I didn't want to go into too much detail on each of the individual roles. Um, I, didn't, I was planning to do more of a generic sort of workflow, um, but I was just going more of the creative process. Uh, I'm not plugging my own film, uh, but if you do happen to be on my Instagram page, go and give the film a like. I'm happy with it. Who knows? Who knows what's next? Other things to come. I know this lockdown hasn't helped anyone in the industry. Uh, bigger production companies still filming. Uh, a lot of harshness around that. Anyway, we won't go into that. But um, stay tuned, guys. Uh, give some feedback if you like this type of stuff. I might I could do this as a separate podcast uh, because it is something I'm interested about, the whole creative field, and uh, I think it's good. I, there's a, quite a few podcasts out there. Uh, recommend Team Deacons. Uh, that's great. That's with Roger Deacons and James Deacons as well. Uh, Roger Deacons, obviously, the famous cinematographer, and his wife, a, a amazing creative as well. All right, guys. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll say my news. All right. Take care. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>